We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith podcast on this beautiful day when Newcastle United have obliterated Arsenal. That's what it feels like in the second half. Newcastle United 2, Arsenal 1, and the sun is shining outside on a fantastic... Well, actually, we're in Seton Delville and there is fog. But in, 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 uh, <laughs> in, in, in Newcastle, the sun was shining on this most perfect of days. Uh, I'm Alex Hurst. I've got Michael Collin, Charlotte Robson, Adam Widrington, and Norman Riley on the line because so many of us wanted to talk about this majestic day. Newcastle United have made it four in a row, 41 points on the board. I believe we've moved above Everton in the table, and if, and if we haven't, we will soon. Uh, we don't care because Newcastle United are absolutely fantastic. Mickey, why don't you start us off telling us a little bit about how magical that was today at St. James's Park? Uh, it was just an absolute delight again at home, which uh, how often have I been able to say that recently? Uh, having having mint, mint games and mint results at home. Um, just makes you remember what we're doing at the minute. makes you remember why we're Toon fans like, and why we do it. It's, it was just so, so good. Um, a bit of background on my day. I, I arrived late, I had to park the car, like absolutely miles away from the ground, and I was late, so I ran all the way from past Exit Park. So I got I got to St. James's like pouring with sweat, <laughs> knackered, ran into the ran into the toilet to grab some tissue to wipe me sweaty head, <laughs> and then ran to the top of the steps and saw Arsenal score like straight away. That's so late, Mickey. There's there's late and then there's basically turning up for the second half. I couldn't get parked. I so I was so I was incredibly late and then to, to see that I was just like, oh for fuck's sake. Like what what a terrible start. But you could see after that, um we were quite sure sure in the next five minutes. You could see it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna be a real problem. We weren't we weren't gonna go away and get beat comfortably by Arsenal after that. Um and then obviously roll into the second half, but we equalise. And from the, from the moment of the equaliser, the atmosphere was absolutely class. And there was a couple of times where you could see even the people in the night, the Leasers, was, were joining in the songs. Which, which never, even the Leasers, eh? Which, nev- <laughs> which never really happens. You've got some of the people in the stand like, clapping along as they do. Um, Hello. Out, like, <laughs> out, out of time. But, um, uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, like, again, another thing. How often do you see the whole ground singing? And how often do you see the whole ground singing at the same time? Like singing the same song at the same time. It never happens at St. James's. And I think that's probably because of the singing section. So the fact that there's a You're singing welcome. section and the corner like are, that are loud with the same song helps it carry around the ground. I think that was noticeable today. Well, not um, only has Rafa got the team working as a unit, Mickey, but he's got the whole the whole crowd working together as well. He, he has. Um, and today is just, it's just amplified 
my feelings about Rafa. Like he's just a magician to be to be achieving what he has with this squad is is absolutely remarkable and should go down right at the top of his football and CV. Like the way we played today, particularly in the second half, was just a delight to watch. We were just better than Arsenal. Um, and I've just enjoyed the day immensely from start to finish. I think we all have, and that's very well said. Um, I want to bring in Charlotte now. Charlotte, I don't want to um, embarrass you too much, but no, since since you came onto the podcast scene, Newcastle have been fucking great. You, you have to talk in the microphone. Um, Newcastle, Newcastle have been absolutely fucking class. Like, how how good is it since you kind of? I mean, I don't know how many games you went to before we re you, you reintroduced yourself into our lives, but like. How how does today rank in terms of like the games that you've been to recently? Oh my god, it was so good. It was mint. You can hear in my voice. I had a normal voice before I went to the football today. Um yeah, it was just class. Like the atmosphere was so good. I think everybody feel like there's obviously a feeling of like we're a bit well, we're obviously safe and you know, everyone there was a, just a lightness, a much lighter feel across the um St. James's Park. And um and yeah, it was just it was just absolutely class, sun shining, everyone's in a good mood. And like Mickey said, like the whole st- stadium was singing songs and, and it was just class. Like I was in the East Stand, um, so I resent the uh, accusation that we were clapping along because it, it was like, a lo- like even some standing, no less. Like <laughs> it was amazing. It was just an absolutely class atmosphere. And, and I think like Ricky said, like once the first goal went in for Arsenal, it definitely didn't dampen any spirits where I think, you know, half a season ago, people would have been like, well, that's that then, like, we're fucked. But it was just like, back on it, back on your feet and singing and completely behind behind the team. So it was, yeah, it was class. Very good description, very well put. Norman, you watched the game uh, on television, you weren't able to make it up. And how was it for you today? I know you've had a, a few drinks in celebration. Well, I'll tell you what, Alex, what, what's happened this season? With Newcastle United, so I took a year out from me, you know. I mean, I was—I would say career, but it wasn't a career. I just working a shit admin job to do a masters. And basically, Newcastle United and Rafa Benitez this season have made me regret doing a masters. <laughs> because what's happened is I got ill. I went to the Leicester match. I was so far behind with my masters work that I've had to miss today's match. And it's another match that I've missed because of a stupid fucking masters. I'm not going to do anything for us. I detest the fact. I detest the fact that I've done it. That's how gutted I am that I wasn't there today. Um, but watching it on TV, of course, I picked up on the atmosphere. The atmosphere was excellent. It was it was noisy more or less from the off. And um, like you've all alluded to, even when they went one up, um, I mean, obviously not being in the stadium, you do you don't see exactly what's happening on the pitch. You only see the kind of angle of the you know the, the, the camera and. Um, to me, it, it had the sort of sense for the first 30 minutes of, a, of an end-of-season game with two teams that had nothing to play for. Um, and when I also went one up, you know, you, you, there was never the feeling that we were going to lose, but it was kind of just like a really slow and pretty dull game to watch. Um, and I thought, as long as Rafa gets him in at half-time and gives him a bit of a rollicking because the word, you know, the word, the word authority, the players were authority, there was a lack of concentration, there was a lack of application. Um, but then as soon as Perez equalised, for me, regardless of the stats that year, you know, if you read a match report in the BBC and you look at the stats, regardless of those, which would show an overwhelming dominance by Arsenal, um, we were, we were the dominant ones and we were the only ones that were going to go on and win that game. And and we did and we absolutely deserved it and it was just a brilliant performance and, and again, um, 
we've on this podcast especially harped on about how good Rafa Benitez is all season and uh, obviously Alex you and I our love for Rafa is so strong that we end up like just messaging each other personally to, to express love because you know fear fear of putting out in a public forum because of the judgment that, that it would that it would receive but um it, it was just brilliant it was just another, another testament to how incredible that manager is and how lucky we are to have him and how Mike Ashley needs to have an epiphany this pre-season and say right if I give this bloke 100 million he's probably going to make me so much money more money than I can ever imagine because with 100 million quid which is nothing in today's market Benitez would have us challenging for the Champions League and I don't doubt that and that's not an exaggeration it's not beer fuel hyperbole it is a genuine genuine fucking thought with 100 million quid in pre-season Benitez would have us challenging for the Champions League well said Norman Um, Adam before the game, there seemed to be a very relaxed mood across the city compared to previous home games. Well, the whole of this season, and even last season, when obviously points were required to go up, I mean, that's probably the most relaxed I've seen St. James's and happy pre-game for many years. Did you get that feeling both uh, before the game and during the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think the, the bright sunshine helped, and uh, I echo Norman's sentiment about it feeling like it's kind of last day of the season, kind of... Uh, everyone's in a good mood, everyone's happy. I think, ultimately, what, is, what has gone before, the fact that we got... You know, a, a, a largely unexpected win at Leicester, although it was fully deserved. We got the big wins against Huddersfield and Southampton. We did the hard work, which meant that coming into this game today, we were able to not really... We, we, we weren't so stressed. We could loosen up a bit. and The pressure was off. And we could, and the crowd could enjoy it. The players could enjoy it. I mean, Rafa this week again has been reiterating 40 points 40 points 40 points but at 38 points I think most of us would be in agreement that that's job done and 10 points clear the relegation zone before this game that was us um, pretty comfortably um, secure and safe in the Premier League ready for next season we can start thinking about summer but yeah so I think we've we've earned the right today to have to have been I guess quite relaxed and just to soak up the atmosphere and just enjoy a home game at St James's Park again, whatever the result might have been. Yeah, and that word enjoy is definitely something I'm sure everyone listening to this can take away from A, how you feel listening, B, all of us here in this room. It was just another thoroughly enjoyable game and it was a different type of enjoyment to Huddersfield was sheer relief. Southampton was kind of disbelief in that it was so comfortable, so easy for United to be so far ahead in such a crucial game. And today was just like, you know, these lads came and they've, they've rested one or two players. The re- you know, Ozil hasn't played because Shelley hasn't played. But they've still got the £110 million strike force. Danny Welbeck's on the pitch. Awobi's on the pitch. They've still got their array of superstars. And in the second half, United were just the better team by an absolute mile. We're going to come on to that in a little bit, Adam. There was someone's tweeted, and I'm sorry that I can't remember who. Um, I've had too many drinks. There was once upon a time where, particularly at home, going behind in recent histories in Castle United meant a three or four goal defeat. How refreshing was it to date and not see that? And also, what like compared to how we used to be then, regardless of players have changed, what changed in our response? What did you see in terms of going behind that was very positive from United? Well, this is it. It's it's the it's the Benitez mentality. It's the belief that we can you. We talked about the crowd earlier, but the, the minute we went down to what was quite a a good goal. It was a very good goal, well taken, although semi-root one, <coughs> scoff. Um, but the, the immediately um, there, w- there was chanting for Newcastle as soon as we went down 1-0. And it's easy to, it, it sounds easy to say this after the event, but I don't, I don't think I was alone in thinking 
yes, we're one nil down, but I don't think that means we're you know we're still we're still very much in this game. Not a lot actually happened by either side before that goal. It was it was it was it was all very kind of in the in the middle third, I guess. But what we've seen over the last two months from our from our team from basically well ultimately since the turn of the year is it's belief there's fight but there's you know there's there's structure stability solidity people are you know we've got our loan players fighting for for permanent contracts and it and 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 they're seeing the best of newcastle and i was under no doubt that yes we went down to to a very good goal but we had so much more to give and you know looking looking at the stats you know like for example at half time we'd had about 29% possession which isn't uncommon for Newcastle to not have the lion's share of possession at home obviously that is quite a big disparity in in in, in having the ball but you know we'd we'd only had i think we'd managed as many shots on target as as Arsenal at, by, by half time three and they'd had so much more possession they'd had so much more shots than we had but it was 1-1 so it was. It's this Rafa Benitez efficiency, and 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 that's a key theme under his stewardship. That we might not have a lot of the ball, but hell, we make the most of when we do have the ball, and we we can have impact on games without having to, um, you know, you know, hold the ball and dictate it. As Norman alluded to before, we did dominate, but in in, in a different way. We sort of dominate without the ball in a way, just because we were so efficient when we had it. Yeah, I thought first half that we were poor, and it's a positive, I don't want to be negative, but the fact that we were poor, and I'm going to why, yet we still managed to come out of the game at, at half-time with a deserved 1-1 scoreline was really positive. And I remember, I mean, those of you who've been listening to the podcast for since we've been doing it, which we're in the fourth season now, maybe if you remember, you know, back under Carver and, and um, McLaren, we would literally have to play out of our skin to get a result. Like all of the planets would have to align. Like there would have to be, you'd have to have a good ref. You'd have to have Colicini on a good day. You'd have to have CSA on a good day. And like to go, I, I was saying to the lads on the Match Day podcast, if you don't subscribe to us on Patreon, please do. Uh, two to four extra shows per week for pound twenty-five a week, including the Match Day podcast, which is very popular, which is basically we record ourselves during the game. Also before and after you get a lot of, crowd noise in there. Sai and Ben on the match day kind of had a little chat and was saying, oh, we've been good here. We've come back into the game. We've been well on top. And I said, no, that's, I think we've been poor here. And me and Norman both agreed, I'll come to Norman in a second, that Rafa will have given them a rocket at half time because Arsenal had a lot of time and space in and around our box. I thought Arsenal should have scored more in the first half than they did. They were guilty of some bad misses. And I just, I just felt it wasn't very us. I felt we weren't compact enough. I felt we were too rigid in defence. Arsenal's movement caused a lot of problems. I thought Diarmé and Shelby were too deep. And although we created Arsenal a few problems, which we did, and we'll come on to the goal in a second, I just felt in the first half that Arsenal were the better side. Um, and I think to, to turn that around as they did in the second half, and we'll come on to that, is another massive coup and bonus for this team. And let's let's go all the way back to last season, right? Newcastle United when conceding the first goal under Rafa Benitez, have genuinely been terrible. And, like, we haven't really talked about it this season that much because we don't go behind very often. And, you know, there's there's Brighton away and there is, um, I'm trying to think, West Ham away this season. So there are notable ex- exceptions, but this was a bog-standard game where we went behind. When we used to concede the first goal in the championship, particularly at home, we would end up losing the game, not even coming back to get a draw. Uh, Swansea at home we came back to get a draw and hostile equalised so that was really positive but Norman just your thoughts please on the first half performance because I think me and you were very similar in our appraisals of that we were um, and I don't think 
you you mentioned that you thought Arsenal were on top there, so I asked slightly different from that. Arsenal were in like they were on top from Lacazette's goal until more or less we equalised or a few minutes before that they were on top in the sense that we weren't offering them any kind of challenge. Um, I don't think they were playing particularly well, and the goal itself, um, as Adam said, it was a very good goal, brilliant ball over the top from Mustafi, but at the same time it, it goes back the the kind of that and that cliche that cliched all oh, the players are on the beach kind of attitude. Lejeune was so guilty of ball watching. Now, if you if, if that ball comes over the top two weeks ago and Lejeune's on his game because every single player is absolutely focused from minute one of the game, um, I, I don't think that goal would have happened. I think Lejeune would have, would, would have had it. He would have had the ball, or he would have, um, he would have been on top of Lacazette, and he was just a little bit guilty of ball watching, and, and that's. That's what led to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, great ball, good finish, all that. But at the same time, it was a goal that I think two weeks ago would have been avoided. Um, and I think we were messaging each other. And you could see Rafa on the sideline, especially watching it on TV, obviously, because the camera pans out to him. He was absolutely livid. He was livid at the kind of lack of application, the lack of urgency from the players. Um, I'll name names here. I mean, you, you had Lejeune looked off the pace. Yedlin was positionally all over the place and you know what credit Arsenal for that I suppose the way that they they kind of switched positions with a sort of front three or front four that that did throw us a little bit and you mentioned during the game that way for the sort of past couple of months we've had like a very rigid solid back four and I think we struggled with Arsenal's movement initially um but again it was one of those where you thought right Rafa clearly wants someone out of this game and he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna really deliver a message at half time, and the players are gonna come out, you know, and and with a completely different mindset. And in the Perez goal, it was almost like the Perez goal kind of it it negated the fact that Rafa needed to give them a ball again at half time because as soon as we scored, the, the attitude changed, the attitude completely changed, and um, we came out in the second half. And for the first, the sort of first ten minutes. Arsenal had a lot of the ball. I mean, they had, they had the majority of the ball for the whole game, but they had a lot of the ball. And you thought, yeah, they let them have the ball, let them have the 10 minutes, get Slomani on, and we'll go on and win this. And that's exactly what happened. We brought Slomani on, and we were comfortable. We were comfortable on 29% of the possession. Um, so, apart from a sort of bad 30 minutes in the first half, um, we did get back to what we're good at. And what we're good at is pressuring teams, grafting, getting in their faces, and just being incredibly effective when we got the ball. And um, I, it turned out beautifully. Yeah, well said, Charlotte. I'm going to come to you. What was your appraisal at half time? Obviously, we got the goal back. Did you think we were lucky to be back in the game, or are you kind of more on, on Norman's um, wavelength in that Arsenal didn't particularly do that much to, to warrant a lead? Um, I don't. I uh, I don't think that um, that we were like out of the game after the first goal. I think. Um, you know, like we've said, the team sort of rallied and, and came back and I thought we were very strong. Um, I did think Arsenal looked good. I thought they looked better than us in the first half. Um, I, I didn't sort of think about it in terms of Rafa giving them a bollocking at half-time. I, I, I think particularly sort of to Norman's point just there, because after the first goal, which was our first goal, which was, what, 28 minutes? When was that? 28 minutes? 38 minutes. 38. 38, was it? All right. After that, it just felt like the mood lifted, and and it felt like yeah, like actually we're 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 here and we're gonna be okay. Twenty nine minutes it was. All right, I was more right, <laughs> not right, but more right. Um, what minute was it? What minute was the goal? Twenty nine. 
Bloody hell, I must have been half pissed by like 27 minutes of the match. Anyway, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I... I, I, I I thought they looked better. I think they've they've got a lot more sort of, of an attacky style of play than us. Like there's far more players on our players straight away going straight in uh, where we, we would hang back slightly, um, which is just, I guess, their style of play, which is fine. But it just it looks a little bit more aggressive and it looks, looks a little bit more engaged, I guess, with it. So, yeah, after half time, seeing, the, seeing us come back and... Um, and I think you know, come back with a lot more attack and a lot more. Um, I don't know why I want to say oomph, but I'm gonna uh, a lot more oomph. Um, yeah, yeah, that's me. I think I had quite an odd perspective on the game at the start because I, I, as I say, as I said before, I didn't arrive until Arsenal scored, so I hadn't witnessed any sort of Arsenal dominance at all. And they certainly didn't dominate after um, after the score. Quite the opposite, really. I think Newcastle took a bit more, well, a bit of a hold on the game, and we looked like not necessarily the better side, but certainly not a worse side. And that's not, as Alex has alluded to before, it's not something that's common for Newcastle when we're four behind. We normally fall behind, then look worse than we did before the scored. Um, so that was quite refreshing. And it was weird. It was weird for me to come in at one down and think immediately from there. As soon as I got in my seat, um, I said to my dad, "We're going to win," and then. Five minutes later, I said, we're, we're better than these, Dad. We're going to win. I think one of the, the big differences that I, I noticed um, when we went 1-0 down was that Dwight, and I sent you a picture, didn't I, Norman, um, during the first half, that Dwight Gale basically was just told, right, you are on the halfway line. Compared to previously when he'd been coming back for corners, when he'd been dropping a little bit deeper when the play went deeper, when that first goal went in for Arsenal, he was basically kept to keep to it. And that's a big difference in what we've seen from Rafa because that was an, an admission, right, we need to get back into this game and the only way we're going to do it is attacking. Norman, if I can sing uh, my own praises here, I'm looking at a, a message that I sent you at 13.41 saying, early call, we need Slomani on, these lads can't deal with the high ball. And what did we see? We saw Dwight Gale as the half went on and on with him playing that higher line. Every time the ball was going after an over an Arsenal centre back's head, they didn't they didn't want to head the ball. They didn't want to play it back to check. I don't know what they were doing, but it was kind of like Dwight got in so many times behind. A, you knew Slomani was going to get in even more behind, but B, it was almost like Dwight have a shot. Like if you get in behind five times and you have a a screwed shot, one of them might go in. But the lack of confidence that he has playing at St James's, it was a real shame to see him you know fail to do that. However, having said that, first goal comes from. Basically, that move over the top for Dwight. He moves it out to the right-hand side and then we score from it. But in addition to that, um, there was a lot of stuff from, from Dwight, which I thought was really poor. And I, I love singing his praises and I love him a bit. He'll always be one of my favourite players for Newcastle. But there was times when he was one-on-one with an Arsenal centre-back or one-on-one with a full-back and he didn't even try to take them on. I think towards the end of the first half, he did try to take a player on. He lost the ball and that's all right. I can live with that because you want your centre-forward, particularly in the final third of the pitch, testing their defensive players, making them move back towards their own goal, making them make decisions they don't want to make. And I think we're going to come on to Slomani in a minute, but I think Slomani's performance has definitely put him in the picture for a start at Everton moving forwards. Um, Adam, I'll come to you first on Ayoza Perez. Another goal, our top scorer for the season. And you, you, you think, just before we start recording, you think you noticed something that an Arsenal weakness for the goal, which you'd seen before. Yeah, um, Mustafi, um, as we said, the, the, him and um, Holding really struggled with the high balls, but it was the um, it was the goal from Perez um, at the near post 
uh, that almost seemed to be a carbon copy of Shane Long's goal uh, for Southampton last weekend, where Mustafi was kind of left flat-footed. I don't know whether he expected um, Czech to come for it or not, but it was a cross from the same position and a strike from about the same position, although the, the ball went in the opposite corner. But there was a there was there was a definite carbon copy of of that goal that we saw Perez when he, the way he hooked the ball in he darted in in the near post ahead of uh, Mustafi who just couldn't react quick enough and he's beat check at the near post so maybe it's a culmination of of the pair of them that you know that their confidence is a bit shot is check on the wane um, but I, I, you know I will have no doubt that Benitez would have studied that that game intensely and that kind of thing where he might have told Perez or Gale, dart across, try and make a near post run when the pre- when the opportunity presents itself because we know how meticulous Rafa Benitez is, we know that he looks at these kinds of details and I would have no uh, doubt that he's picked that out and he's just had a little word in his forward's ear and look where we are. Brilliant, brilliant equaliser. Norman, I always feel like I should come to you on, on Perez because you've backed him so much this season and last um, you know, he's, he's repaying yourself and but more importantly, the manager, um, you know, tenfold. I, like, I, I can't, I, I run out of superlatives for him and, you know, I kind of said my bit in him last week. Is there anything you feel needs said on, on Perez's performance today? Well, you're right, Alex. I have backed him for the last couple of seasons and I think he's probably sat there tonight thinking I'm really glad that I had Norman Reilly's back in. It's, um, it's helped massively. But uh, no, no, on a serious note, I mean, like, if you watch any interviews with Perez, he's... He, he really um, he, he speaks really well. He kind of, he talks a good game. He's um, he's got like a really kind of calm, calm sort of presence. In, and I think you see that on the pitch. I think um, he's he's obviously had a lot of grief from the stands. He has he has had a lot of grief, but he do, he doesn't let it affect him. You know, he, he banged in like an outrageous own goal against Leicester, and that would have like that would have just absolutely sunk a lot of players. But it didn't with Perez, and. He's always come back every time. He's he, throughout his career at Newcastle every time you think, like, for fuck's sake, are you as here? People have like complained about him. He's always come back and gone on a little run where he's done really well. And there are a couple of things you have to bear in mind. He cost one and a half million from Tenerife in like, you know, the, the Spanish second division. One one and a half million, right? That was only a few years ago. I mean that, that that's note. He'd never he never played in the top flight in Spain. He was brought over to, to England. To, to play in Newcastle to be in the development squad maybe for a couple of seasons. That didn't happen. He was thrown straight in the first team and he's he's kind of had to learn his trade um, probably at this level before before you know it, it was in, he was intended to and I think the the fact that he's he's had all this grief but he's still been a regular fixture on the side is just testament to how well much confidence he's got in himself and how much belief Rafa's got in him. Um, he's a vital part of the side He's grafted, he got took off, and like I think it was like maybe the 75th minute, someone around that point, and he got took off because basically he was absolutely paggered. He just runs and he runs, and he might miss players' passes, and he might miss, you know, he might he might time his runs incorrectly, he might get caught offside, he might do something that you think, mate, what you're doing there, but you know what? He puts a ball in the net, he creates things, and an interesting thing about watching the match um, on TV is listening to the pundits. Now, some of the pundits just think are 12 dickheads, you know. Red Knapp, Souness, naming names there. But when Thierry Henry is on pre, pre-match, Thierry Henry pre-match said, Newcastle have got a chance of beating anyone because they've got players like Perez and Kennedy on the side. That's Thierry Henry saying we've got a chance when we've got someone like Perez on the side. So if Henry is watching football and thinking, you know what, this kid's got something, then that's good enough for me. 
if Rafa Benitez selects him week in, week out, shows faith in him, that's good enough for me. The lad, the lad is a good footballer, and I'm really happy to see him get his kind of get his, his rewards for the graft and persistence that he's put in over the last few seasons. Yeah, well said. Mickey wants to come in on this one. It's not. It's just. It's now like much more obvious and apparent why the statistics have shown that we're a better side with Perez. Like he's now. It's 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 more obvious his contribution, obviously because he's putting it in the net. But to to the layman, it's more obvious why why Perez has been picked every single game and why we've won all of our games with Perez in the team. Because he... <laughs> I wish, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. We haven't won all our games with Perez in the team, but loads of them. <laughs> you know what I mean. We've won most. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. what I meant to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, moving on to the second half then. Oh, Charlotte, you would like to say something? Okay, you're pointing at my microphone. Thank you for that. Um, moving on to the second half, a couple of things. I don't know whether any of you know this little first half. I thought we would press high. I expected that. We did it against Huddersfield. We did it against Southampton. I didn't expect us to press as much as we did, and I don't think we were as good at it. Um, as we thought we might be, and it led to problems that led to space for Arsenal that we've talked about. And we were, I thought we were lucky in the first half not to concede more than one. Um, we we're also kind of lucky not to concede a penalty, and Kennedy might have seen red. We'll have to be honest about it. We can't get all um, you know furious when many red cards are denied against us this season. But that Kennedy was was lucky by all accounts to stay on the pitch. He was late. Um, and then it was a high arm, I think, from Lascelles for a shot that went over the bar. I mean, you've seen them given, you've seen them not. So we rode we look, but second half, it was back to being the Newcastle United we've seen recently and the Newcastle United we know and love. We sat off them, we didn't press particularly high in the opening stages. It was break us down, what have you got? And when we were able to break, which we broke at pace on several occasions, it was incredibly effective. Um, Charlotte, you want to talk about Matt Ritchie and his performance because, again, and just to give everyone a little bit of context, we were talking on this podcast, I'm sure several people were, during the difficult autumn that we had, we were like, where's Matt Ritchie? One of our best players last season. He's, he hasn't come to the Premier League. He hasn't scored. He doesn't have any assists. And Charlotte, how how important is he now to this side? Well, massively. Like today, particularly, I think is a perfect example of, of, of exactly what Matt Ritchie can do. He worked like a dog today. He was working so hard on the pitch. Like I'm, I'm delighted that Rafa brought him off just before the final whistle so that we could get a chance to stand up and applaud for him because I thought he played so brilliantly today. It was all over the pitch. He was on the ball and um, and just incredible. And I think it's a real um, sort of return to form almost like you alluded to, like he, in the in the autumn, like we didn't see this Matt Ritchie and it was he was just played so brilliantly today. I was so impressed. Yeah, very well said. Um, I, I think I think the difference about him is he's he's far more willing to take a chance. Now he's got Modiame and Shelby with that solid base. Now he's got Kennedy on the other flank with Dummett playing so well. I think earlier on in the season when the team was a little bit more up in the air, when we weren't as strong in the middle of the pitch, if he lost the ball and they counted attack that they literally just waltzed through the middle of the pitch and more often than not scored or had a good chance. Whereas he's now got a little bit of added protection, knowing that if something he wants to try a lot, he likes playing the ball first time, he likes first time crosses, he likes trying to find someone inside or even driving into the box when he first picks it up. Um, then, you know, the fact that the other players which were going to come on were playing so well has kind of allowed him to to flourish. I thought you were putting your hand up there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of emphasise that as well. Yeah, like, um, 
that he is that he played so well today is absolutely down to like Diame and and Shelby, um Diame in particularly in particular like we've seen, um this uh, this half of the season I mean we've we've said it so many times on this podcast can't believe the player that Mo Diame's turned out to be and and yeah that's a lot down to him and it's a lot down to Rafa but um you're right like. Richie today with the support behind him of of this like n- new solid Yame sort of character behind him I think absolutely is a uh, is why why we saw such a good performance. Yeah, I can I just up. say something about Yame? Sorry, <laughs> just, dive, just quickly you mentioned Yame. I have to dive in yeah because I tell you what I noticed today about him. He, he misplaced a couple of passes and there was one there was one particular occasion where he tried to turn and lost the ball and then it led to a chance for them. But that's just a couple of little things that he did wrong. One thing I noticed today was pretty much every single camera angle, no matter what we were doing, whether we were attacking or defending, Diomi was in the picture. It, that's what it felt like. And I think I said the other week, I think I said in the match report the other day, that he, that he eats the pitch. He is he is just everywhere. He's just this... this kind, He's almost like an omnipotent presence on a football pitch. Mm-hmm. He is just everywhere. And... He's man of the match award that was given by you know the, the sky like the sky um, core commentator David Proven was I mean pretty much throughout the whole match was just waxing lyrical about him he was he was absolutely brilliant and we we you see it when we watch him live we see how much graft he puts in but today I mean watching a match on TV there is a lot there is a there are a lot of things that you you don't see um, but today to to see him on camera as much as he was is just testament to the to the amount of graft that he puts in and I mean. I just wish he was 25 and playing like this because uh, we'd, we'd have a player for like for life here. Yeah, one thing I wanted to point out about Richie before we go back to Jeremy is um, there's there's no surprise that Richie's better performances have come at the same time as Yedlin. Um, Yedlin's now looking like he can defend where earlier in the season he didn't at all. Um, and that confidence that you must get as a winger thinking my fullback can defend and, and, and can catch anyone that runs past us. It gives him the opportunity to start creating the chances which he previously wasn't doing. And um, I think I think Yedlin deserves a lot of credit both in his own performances, but in allowing Richie to perform to the level that he that he that he's capable of. Um, and we we as a group were very critical of Richie in the um, in the bad spell for Newcastle, and and I think had, had kind of come around to the consensus that there was a reason that Bournemouth sold him, wasn't it? it was because he couldn't quite cut it in the Premier League. He has proven us totally wrong, totally fucking stupid. Because he, he's he's looked quality for for a good number of weeks now. He looks like a really, really good Premier League winger, and he's he's got to be one of the first names on the sheet at the minute, which is is mind boggling considering his performances through the through the winter. Must be some uh, magic fairy dust in Lascelles's right hook, maybe uh, from that training ground bust up. Because since then. Diarmi's been unbelievable. Um, something I noticed about Diarmi um, today, it was in the 89th minute. Uh, Arsenal got a free kick on the left-hand side um, about the 88th minute. And um, ball came in. It was got headed out a bit. There was a bit of sort of back and forward. And there was a moment where um, Maitland-Niles, who had come on as a sub, um, was sort of running down the right wing uh, inside the box. And Diarmi came across and he just put his body weight in front um, of Maitland Nines and just shepherded the ball out for goal kick. S- seemingly quite an innocuous sort of little episode of play, but actually, if you think of Mo Diame from six months ago, he would have gone in there, fouled him, and it would have been a penalty, and we would have drawn 2-2. Uh, it, but, but but the Diame of 2018, this this new improved, the new recipe uh, 
uh, Diami is um, is that you didn't worry about him to making that challenge because you knew that he wouldn't do anything reckless. He wouldn't do anything stupid because, as you said, we picked up maybe one piece of reckless play today that nearly led to a goal. We were lucky that, that they, they, they misfired. But that kind of just epitomizes the, 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 the you know, the this this huge transition from sort of bumbling uh, midfielder, championship midfielder to this sort of, this powerhouse in the centre of midfield that's just everywhere, as Norman says, eating up the pitch like Pac-Man. Yeah, I didn't want to, be drawn in too much to talking about Mo because I've said me piece this season many times on that footballer. But what what impresses me most, and this goes back to last week at Leicester, Sai Miggy. I don't know if you remember. Oh, we weren't stood with you. Um, yeah, during the game at Leicester, um, at the towards the end, Sai went. Diame hasn't had a great game, and I, and I disagreed. And I said the amount of times he's forced. Leicester players to go backwards in promising position is insane. And it, it happened again today. There was a point, I think it was in the first half, when, um, sorry, second half, when Arsenal ended up coming back to Peter Cech just because Modi Army, like, thought about putting a tackle in. And players, opposition players, just don't want to go near him. They don't want to know. No one's trying to make him. No one's doing step overs to try and take him on. They're not going to risk it because they, they've all been prepped. They've all seen and been told by their managers, do not try and take this man on on a football pitch. He, he can now tackle with his mind. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you will lose out. You will you will fail to get past him and he will dispossess you. And that's almost a given. It's not even... Obviously, he's winning a lot of 50-50 and he's still winning a, a ridiculous amount of tackles, which is, is why I'm sure he was named man of the match today. But it... Like I said against Man United, he, he he was he was looking like a thirty million pounds midfielder. I'm going to upgrade that to fifty. Like that's how good he's looking. Um, make just a quick word on his partner today, Shelby. It wasn't kind of. I mean, actually, a few tweets have come into us saying Shelby was magnificent. I didn't really see that myself. But no, so Norman after, and then make you first on Shelby today. Well, his his overall influence on the game it can be summed up to critical passes again. Um, we we don't win that game without Shelby. Without those crucial crucial balls over the top not just not just the ones that led to the goal but all the rest of them as well it pins Arsenal back and there, there must have been five or six times that he's that he's pinged 60 or 70 yard balls right over the top of their defender into a perfect position for our striker to pick the ball up and move the whole Arsenal team back it, it's it's crucially important first of all it gives the defence a breather second of all it moves everybody up the pitch including our midfield gets Jarmi in the game moves Kennedy forward moves Richie forward it just you can't you can't say enough positives about Shelby at the minute, and that's one of his quieter games. And it, he's he's created the goal that gets us back into the game, and he he's bossed it. It's um, like you know you you know you might sort of um, more agricultural teams might just lump the ball up to get a breather, but it's Shelby's lumps are actually very precise, uh, long passes, and that's the difference. Um, and it was like you say, making this gaining territory. Uh, that he really, really helped us with today. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the difference is he puts it in a position where it's not just going to get sent straight back to our end of the pitch, um, which which buys you time and buys you territory. And it's it, you can't underestimate the importance of that role in the team. Um, and, and that's that's the difference between us and the other teams. The, the teams in the bottom 10 is we have someone with the quality of, of John Joe Shelby and they don't. There's nobody that matches him in the league lower than us. Norman? I am. You're actually. You're Mickey's 100 percent right there. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just distracted slightly by the fact that West Brom are just about to beat Man U. We're one nil. Oh, if you've got it on. Shut up. It, oh, no, there's like 30 seconds left of the four minutes of injury time, and West Brom are one up against Man U. Wow. Um, what the hell, is firing on his game of golf. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in terms of Shelby, again, it's 
It's interesting that you lads. Um, I mean, well, you, you were impressed with Mickey Alex. You, you can you suggested there that you maybe weren't as, as impressed with him as um, as perhaps I was. Um, and again, it's, it's how you see the game on camera compared to when you're in the stadium, and you've got to get diff- a totally different take on it. Now, every time Shelby was on TV, offensively and defensively, he was absolutely brilliant. He put tackles in, tackles that were disciplined. There wasn't there was aggression in there, but it was a kind of controlled, accurate aggression, which has been one of his issues in the past. That he's just been a little bit raj. He didn't show any kind of signs of that today. There was Hollywood passes, and I think we can even take we can stop calling them Hollywood passes because. You know, it's not like he's taking one. He's not. He's not. He's not taking ten passes and getting one of them right at the minute. What he's doing is, he's putting five or six long crossfield passes in, and every single one of them's on the fucking money. Every single one of them is bang on. And at the minute, to me, it just it doesn't look like he's, he's doing anything wrong, and he's doing everything right. And um, as Mickey said, there isn't anyone below us with with a player of, of Shelby's ability. There aren't any English centre midfielders out there at the minute with Shelby's ability. There aren't. It's as simple as that. And um, you know, I don't want to veer into a conversation about the England, uh, the English uh, national team. But I will say that if Southgate doesn't take Shelby to the World Cup in the summer, then he's uh, he's an absolute idiot. It's as simple as that. <laughs> It's um, funny about Shelby this week because he he was he had an interview um one of the papers I forget which one um, like I say he, he had an interview this week in one of the papers he really put himself in the spotlight he says his disciplinary uh, troubles are behind him he wants to fight for a place in a World Cup so you know he's on a televised game um and you know the Shelby previously when a Shelby without confidence. Um, and, and and without integrity, does not doesn't kind of would want to shy away. But he put himself in the spotlight, and as you said, these aggressive tackles that he put in, they were they were they were disciplined. They were of the, they were the right intensity. They were fair. And it, again, it just I guess it's this this culture of the team that if you're not seen to be putting the, that that determination in and 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 the committed to challenges, that you know you will stick out very very quickly because. The team only works in the way it does because everyone pulls together and everyone plays with that same attitude and fighting spirit. And you know that's rougher again. But Shelby was really impressive today because the main weakness was those high balls, as we've mentioned, and Shelby was at the was at the core of that. Yeah, Charlotte, do you have any words for us on Jamal Lascelles? Who no none? There are no words. I was going to say Lascelles today. I mean, Norman alluded to he thought Lejeune had a, a difficult day. Do you, would you say the same about Lascelles, or do you think he had one of his more characteristic, characteristic uh, dominating games at the back alongside Paul? Well, um, just quickly on Paul Dummett, I thought he was excellent today. Um, um, yeah, I, more typical for him, I think. Um, I think we had. I think everybody stood out today, and um, and. Everyone stood out. Everyone played excellently. I think it was more. It was more uh, sort of for Lascelles. It was more that he was like doing the hard work and not get like. I don't think he's got much praise for today from a lot of people. Um, just sort of putting in the the graft on the on the back and then and then just sort of letting everybody else ride the wave. Um, I thought he played excellently well. I thought um he and Dummy are just brilliant together. So um that's pretty much all I want to say. Like there's not a lot from me. <laughs> there was one point again today where um, Arsenal had a bit of a, a bit of a stretch of the play um, and had, had moved Newcastle's players around a bit and, and looked a bit threatening. 
It, we came out of it fine, but you could see immediately afterwards the cells bollock and three or four different players separately, which I thought was class, and it's great to see, and it's, it's something we've picked out before. That, that hasn't happened at Newcastle for ages. Like he's, he's telling someone what, what they need to do to stop that happening again, and that's, it, it's, it's so useful on the pitch to have someone like that that's telling you what you've done wrong and what you need to do next time, because it reminds you, and you, you, the next time something similar happens, you think about it. So even just for that one moment, LaSalle's had a good game. <laughs> Adam, the, the back five seemed to work much, much better as a unit in the second half. I mean, I, I can't recall Arsenal actually getting behind us at all in the second half. I might be wrong. Obviously, we're recording straight after the game here, so we've not seen highlights. But what do you think the change was? In, or, or do you think that was more Arsenal's weaknesses being exposed compared to us doing anything different? Um, I think it was probably a mixture of um, a Rafa rocket at half time. Maybe Lascelles would have been particularly vocal. Um, we know Dubravka can be vocal as well, which is what would be one of the main strengths of him coming into the side. But I think it was maybe just a bit of a reality check and a kind of reminder of, well, let's let's look back at why we've won the last few games at home and why we've been so uh, solid at the back. And actually, <laughs> just just remember what we are capable of as a unit. And I, and I don't think there was anything more complex than that because, you know, when you just repeating what you've done the last sort of few home games again and showing how much we didn't do that in the first half. I think that's enough for people, you know, we're well drilled now and and I think it's just just Rafa Benitez, you know, assertively uh, reminding the team of, of, of what they should be doing. Norman, I've, I've kept you waiting long enough. Talk to us about Islam Slomani. I'm going to I'm gonna launch into like a massive appraisal of um, Slomani. Yeah, but first of all, just, just to get this out of the way, Hosselu, all of his criticisms, when he comes on with about 10 minutes to go, just as like a big unit to win free kicks up front, it's brilliant, and he was he was exactly that today. I just want to throw that out there. He mightn't be like a player who's going to start for you regularly in the Premier League, but if you're winning with 10 minutes left, he, he's been so good to bring on. Um, so there you go, and a bit of praise for Hoss. Um, but in terms of Slomani, I mean, we, we, we've we all said this more or less since the moment that we signed him. This is a lad who has got pedigree, Um He's got an excellent scoring record for the top team in Portugal. He scored goals in the Champions League. He was a fantastic player at Algeria in the 2014 World Cup. And it just didn't work out for him at Leicester for one reason or the other. And I think when we signed him, we, we all felt that he was kind of a he was kind of the centre forward that we, we wanted to see. Big, hard, brilliant in the air. And he got unlucky. He got unlucky with the, with the, with the injury that he had uh, when he first arrived. But the two appearances that he's made for us at St. James's Park, he's been massively impactful in both games. The game against Huddersfield, where he kind of came on when the game was petering out slightly, and he threw the Huddersfield back line in a complete disarray. Um, and he also had the, the intelligence to stand behind the goal line rather than come back on the pitch and be caught offside for, for Perez's goal. Um, and then today, me and you were more or less, as you say, as you said before, we were more or less texting each other from the sort of 10th and onwards saying get Slimani on because Arsenal, the Arsenal defenders wouldn't know how to handle him and that's exactly what happened. He came on at the perfect time and that header that he uh, yeah. that he knocked down for the second goal, I mean, basically, that like, the, the, his neck muscles must be up there with a rhinoceros. <laughs> a rhinoceros. <laughs> a rhinoceros has got a fat muscular neck, right? Slimani's seen that there. I'm telling you now, a rhino couldn't have done that with a 10-bob floater. It was outrageous. And, um, he was just brilliant. He held up the plate, and a couple of a couple of other things that surprised me as well. His, his burst of pace over sort of ten yards. 
is really, really quick. Mm. Um, and that's something I wasn't expecting because he is a unit. He's a muscular, six-foot-plus bloke, but he, he broke with pace on a couple of occasions. And um, Arsenal couldn't handle him. And he's one of those players that you think, like, yeah, he's probably not going to be here for long enough for us to go out and, and buy him permanently. But I think Leicester, Leicester would sell him for about 15 million. And you're thinking, well, you know what? 15 million for him in pre-season, he'd be a good signing. And again, he's just one of those players like Ravka, like Kennedy. You can see why Benitez has said, I, these are the players I want to be signed. And he was he was massively effective. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the last the last five games of the season. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I'd like to see him start against Everton because Gale was excellent today in many ways. He worked his arse off like he normally does. But his confidence is shot to pieces. And I don't think Slamani suffers from confidence um, crises at all. Mm. I think Slamani's the kind of player who could miss three or four chances and it wouldn't get to him, whereas Gale it does. So I would like to see Slamani on against Everton and I'd like to see Slamani up against someone like Ashley Williams because I think he'd absolutely fucking destroy him. Something I'm, I noticed about Slamani, and you might not have picked this up uh, watching it on the TV if you did, um, was the fact that he was very vocal uh, from the front line and he was ordering people about, particularly Kennedy, um, when Kennedy was... I mean, basically, Kennedy was sort of angling for a substitution from about the 70th minute, and Rafa basically trolled him by substituting everybody else around him, and he was just like, I'm going to bloody get 90 minutes out of you. Um, but 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 Slomani was keeping Kennedy in check, and he was... You know, Slomani's... You know, something that our team doesn't have is a lot of experience, which Slomani does bring to the table, and, and it was great to see him. You know, it's, it's, you know he's, he's barely played minutes for us, but, you know, the fact that he was barking orders and he was almost doing a LaSalle's job, but from the front line, and that was fantastic to see. And what I saw from Slomani today, you know, I got to see what kind of player he was a bit more. I got to see about 20, 25 minutes of him, whatever. But I saw a player determined to fight and win a permanent contract here under Rafa Benitez. I saw somebody who absolutely wanted to play for us and wants to be part of this long term. And I was really, really impressed with what I saw. We're just about coming to the end of the show now. Um, I'm going to leave the, the the final words with with Mickey and then and then Charlotte. Mickey, four wins in a row for Newcastle United. Uh, we're going to start breaking records soon, as we did last year in the championship. And that's it's it's just I mean, let's kind of take it back to that Man United home game and the dropping into the bottom three before that. And like Rafa Benitez has brought this club on so much in such a short amount of time, and there's going to be so much written and spoken by us, no doubt, and everyone else listening and the media about how he's turned this football club around. But tell us where you're at for for, for these lads right now and in, in this run that we are on. It's it's just spectacular. I couldn't have more love for this team and this this manager. Um, I think the the plaudits the plaudits need to be shared, but people outside of this city and uh, that aren't watching Newcastle week in week out won't realise the magnitude of the job that Rafa Benitez has done and and what he's what he's turned into what we have now is nothing short of remarkable, and he deserves every single award going. He he, he really does. Um, it's just a spectacular time to be supporting Newcastle. And what Adam just said there about, about Slomani fighting for the long-term contract, I think everyone's got to be thinking that and everyone's got to be thinking long-term with Newcastle, maybe apart from one fat controller at the top. <laughs> but ev- everyone's, so, everyone's so positive, from fans to players to manager to staff, all of them realise what, what we've got here. And it, it really does feel like we're on the cusp of something really special. Um, and for the first time in, in, in my, really my adult supporting adult Newcastle supporting life, 
I am now starting to think a bit long-term and think, fucking hell, if we can keep this manager here and keep this core of players, who knows where it could end up? And that, that's all it's taken for that. Apart, well, obviously, all the work behind the scenes. But four wins in a row, and all of a sudden, the entire fan base is thinking, fuck me. That's not pretty fucking good. Yeah, and I, I just want to uh, kind of contrast that a little bit with some fan insecurity. And I put a tweet out this morning showing Arsenal's away record, and was immediately inundated with people saying, you've jinxed it, wait until they say this tweet. And you were the same yesterday, Charlotte, you sent me a message when Southampton took the lead against Chelsea. Even though we were 10 points clear of the relegation zone, with no way we were going down, Like, have even you now been convinced that this is like... I'm not saying you thought we were a bad team, but you, you were being the very stereotypical Newcastle United fan yesterday, still being like... no, It's the same today, like, people are still like... Oh, you know, like it can all go wrong. It's, it's you know, we're going to get what come up, and it can't last. Can it last? Are you being well, one round? I have, um, I'm an anxious Annie, but um, actually, yes, I think it can last. I think the form we've shown in the last few matches is just so good, and and you know, it it is this this team that we really are behind. Like it's it's such a team, and we talked about it a bit on the preview podcast available for patrons. Um, <laughs> Uh, we talked a little bit about it then, like that that one of the advantages we have o- over um, Arsenal is the fact that they they seem like not as sort of team minded as we are, and yeah, that comes down from uh, some from Rafa and and the sort of um, work that he's put into us. But I really think that this is a this is a squad that cares so much and and puts everything into it every game, and um, and now I'm uh, yeah I'm starting to believe that actually we've got the skill behind us now as well as the mindset that yeah I think I think uh well a guy behind me it, 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 after our second goal was like fucking hell we might, might might end up in Europe now and I was like actually maybe we will <laughs> so so that's where I'm looking maybe next season um, <laughs> wait, wait, oh, Alex Norman I've, I've, I've got to get this off my chest I've got to see it right so we all we all love Rafa. We all know what an incredible job he's done. It it, it, it is spectacular what he's done with it, with this you know this this squad of players, right? But are we not at the stage now where, right? And, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. But since we beat West Ham on the 23rd of December, have we only lost to Man City and Liverpool since that, that game? That's right. Is that right? Yes. So three defeats since the 23rd of December, right? In the cup, two defeats in the league. Um, Cup doesn't matter, right? Two defeats to Man City and one defeat Liverpool since the 23rd of December. Yeah. Now, no matter what Rafa's done with this squad, which is spectacular, no doubt, I tell you what, the players are a lot better than maybe a lot of us think. They have to be, because no matter how good Rafa is, no matter how good of a job him and his coaching staff have done, those players have lost three games since the 23rd of December against the two best teams in the country. They're our eating our. Yeah, like, like, like last man, like last man, Norman. We, we've now so, won. We've now won. Massive credit to Rafa, but massive credit to the players. I think they're all just a bit better than probably what we all thought at the start of the season. Some of us, Norman, predicted we'd get to forty-six to forty-eight points in terms of me and you. So we're on course for that uh, pre-season prediction, which were, which was uh, was uh, was aired live. We're going to have to wrap it up here because Charlotte, mate, you've got to go. So thanks to everybody for listening. What a fantastic day again! I, I'm bored of saying it. I'm, of course, I'm not bored of saying it. What a fantastic day being a Newcastle United fan to be from the northeast. Um, such a shame that the other northeast team are, are, are going into England's third tier. It's not a shame, is it? It's uh, it's fantastic. Nice. <laughs> what a what a, what a contrast it is. Um, 
And what what a privilege to support this football club. What a club. And I want to, you know, thank everybody for listening. This podcast, the free podcast, will be back pretty much straight after the Everton game next week. We'll have the match day from Everton as well, from me and Ben, who are down there. And uh, yeah, what a day to be a Cast United fan. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon.